This is the Powered Up Podcast, show 55. So, you know, as teachers, you have so many important moments that you're talking with kids, just the demeanor you carry. Don't let that be lost on you now during this time of year. Let this be the time that you're focusing on that and you are making a difference for them because there's there's nothing more special than the opportunity we have to make an impact on a child's life and, and change their trajectory as first graders or as 12th graders. We all have the ability to do that. Welcome to a real world education with insight and advice from teachers in the game, where current and former educators reveal what truly sets apart the great teachers and what it takes to make a positive impact on students. Whether you're in pre-service learning, new to the game, or a seasoned veteran, this is the show for you. You'll leave feeling inspired to take action because we are powering education by empowering you. What's going on, everyone? This is Ken Ehrman, host of the Powered Up Podcast, and I am here with my co-host, Mr. Matt, the King of Culture Rogers. Matt, what's going on? Buddy, I'm doing okay. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's uh it's uh we're recording this on a holiday week, so we had a at least I had a four-day week this week. I assume you did as well, which is never a bad thing. Always checking the weather as a as Northeasterners of, of the United States, we get to check the weather to see if there's any looming snow in the uh, in the forecast. Are you a uh, are you a delay guy, a snow day guy, or an early dismissal guy? Which one's your favorite? Oh man! And don't bring in like the virtual learning and all that. Let's go back four years before that existed. What was your favorite? The classic. You know, I think it's so we'll do risk versus uh, enjoyment. My favorite for just pure enjoyment is there's nothing like the buzz of telling kids that you're leaving early for a day. Yeah. Like it is awesome. Just so much fun. Like, hey, guys, I know we're supposed to be moving into math class now, but I don't know if you know that fluffy stuff's flown, flown down and we need to get you home. Um, that being said, it, it is a little scary. There's definitely a worry. I know, Ken, you have some horror stories of getting stuck at school because you know, um, fortunately, like I, I had a delay where we were supposed to leave and it got bumped and it got bumped and it got bumped, but um, we still left about an hour, uh, within an hour of when we were supposed to. It is kind of scary when a, a early dismissal is necessary. Um, I honestly don't love two hour delays. I always think like, oh, I'll have so much more time. <laughs> and by the time that I get showered, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm late. Like yeah. I I how, never how many, could get it figured times, out. How many times during the morning on a two hour delay do you look at the clock and then add two hours to where you're supposed to be to figure out if you're late or you're early or you're on time? So I'll make a really nerdy example. So in college I ran the decathlon and one of the events in the decathlon is the fifteen hundred. So when you run the 1500, that is three laps that are complete and three quarters of a lap. 
And so I remember when I was running, just this constant idea of like, okay, I did three quarters of a lap, which puts me at the starting line, but now I finished a lap. So how much do I actually have? Like uh, mentally, I, I ran this event so many times. There's not a chance I shouldn't know this. I am bright enough to know that add two hours and this is, you know, if I leave at 645, then I should leave at 845. Like that, I don't know why that is so hard for me to understand. I agree. I agree. I think it's just, I don't know. It's just the way it is, I guess. The, it's the lull of, of two hour delays. Now, I mean, I guess, Ken, like in your position now, I feel like delays on either side just pull away from your your opportunity to help teachers like and even that time that you would be in the class the teachers are just trying to wrangle excited kids may i would say mainly two hour delay early dismissal you're probably doing everything you would expect and then it just kind of cuts off um so so where do you fall on that like to answer it i love a snow day uh the third snow day when we probably could have gone back a little bit antsy hey i'd rather be with my kids but um I'm always game for a, a solid snow day as long as I don't have a vacation at the end of the year that I'm hoping it doesn't interfere with. So as your role, maybe as a teacher and as a tech coach, how do you feel about the the winter, winter delays? Yeah, I uh, there is nothing better than a good old quality big storm snow day, in my opinion. Um, maybe it rolls into a, it rolls into a weekend so you don't have to make up too many of those days because that's the risk is or the, the negative side of a stow day is you got to make it up at some point, whether you lose an in-service day, it gets tacked on the end of the year, whatever the case is, but there's nothing better than a good old quality snow day. I, I like the early dismissals because it typically means a, a snow day or a big storm is coming. Um, but I, I agree with you. There's that, that hesitancy with, with the risk of it. I would go snow day as long as it's not the fifth or the sixth of the year. And, and now all of a sudden we're going to, to mid June, late June. Um, but I, I love a, I love a good old snow day and I I'll, I'll never, I'll never turn down a delay in my opinion. It's getting that extra couple hours to sleep in. You still get credit for the day. Um, but uh, you don't sleep. You don't sleep. No one actually hits the snooze button and sleeps longer. Right. Yep. But I think right now is a pretty good time to tell the, the, the dismissal early dismissal that definitely wasn't a dismissal. I feel like you have to touch on that a little bit. Yeah. We just, we had one that um, it got called very late. The snow started coming down in rapid fashion, sticking like crazy. Um, and so when they called early dismissal for, for us uh, or for the district, by the time our early dismissal time had arrived, we were hearing that the buses hadn't even arrived to the high school yet. Uh, and they were supposed to be dismissed about an hour and a half before us. So we had, it, it just turned into chaos, but everybody handled it really well. We had tons of parents showing up to pick up kids. Uh, I took on a couple of classes. So some of my colleagues had, had to drive further or were not as confident to drive in snow could leave. And uh, I think I was there till about nine o'clock at night with some kids. My principal was handing out uh, rations of, of snacks from the cafeteria. Everyone got home safe. It, it ended up being fine, but um, it was pretty crazy how how fast it came on. No one really even saw it coming. Uh, a delay or an early dismissal wasn't really even on the radar that early that morning. So 
uh, it's always it's always interesting uh, snow, at least for for the northeastern and the I guess the northern portion of the United States that gets to experience snow days. It's definitely it's definitely a fun thing. I think the uh, the days of waking up and watching the news and seeing if your district scrolls across the bottom are, are over. We get those calls and we get those texts now, and it seems to always be called the night before. Uh, but it's it's still it's still fun for everybody. So kind of kind of using that as a, a segue to what we want to talk about tonight is we're we're coming out with this early February, and this is a a pretty um, tough time of year. You're grinding through. Uh, there's a long stretch of no breaks on the horizon. You possibly you most likely have state testing looming in the in the near future, and you know it's been a long year, and you still have a long year left, and just trying to remember that there's so much more to our job than teaching lessons. And so Matt and I just want to kind of talk about, you know, what those different aspects are, how we, how we stay focused, how we realign our classroom or recenter our classroom. Um, so, so Matt, what would you say is aside from your lessons, aside from your standards that you're teaching, what is something around this time of the year that you feel is really important to kind of bring back review, talk about, uh, kind of restructure with, with your class. So I'll use a terrible example that Ken and I, and maybe only the two of us will get, but the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles have a center call, uh, named Jason Kelsey, and he will be a future hall of famer. Uh, and he talked to his coach who is a rookie head coach and just said that fundamentals are what exposes a prepared and an underprepared football team. And at a time right now where the weather is cold and there's a ton of indoor recess and kids are not really burning the calories and, and the, the excess energy off, the days are long and they get out of school and it's practically dark. I think the fundamentals of what classroom expectations are are so important. And too many times, I think we look at fundamentals as like, do I go through my first two weeks of school again? Do I need to do team building? Do I need to do all of the, oh, this is how we walk in the hallways and this is the expectation. Now, I think you've established respect there. There's definitely a time to say, hey, let's prove that we know what we're talking about and we don't need to re-practice those lessons. But it's revisiting, and I think it's almost oddly goal-setting. Um, hey, let's recognize that this is what it looks like. This is what we've seen ourselves do at different times of the year. The holidays, I don't know about you, Ken. The holidays in my classroom are absolutely nuts. I My goal through the holidays... I. Every single school day, I have a different outfit that is more and more outrageous because I work in an elementary school and I can wear onesies to school. Um, realistically, I wear it because I want the kids to, even if they don't have a great holiday season at home, have a great holiday experience at school. And we have a ton of fun going into that new year. But we come back and it's business time. I had a conversation this morning with my kids 
just saying like, hey, here's our expectation. We have a student teacher starting later this week. And the last thing I want to do is invite them in to a class that doesn't represent everything that we've built all year long, just because two and a half weeks ago, we had some fun. We earned that fun, but we earned it with good behavior and high quality of work and all these different things that, you know, that ends up being the priority right now. And especially like when this episode comes out, there's not a teacher in this planet third and above that is not narrowing their sight towards state testing and, and great districts will not prioritize it. I shouldn't say great districts, but great teachers will not prioritize it. They'll just trust that their kids are prepared, but this is the time I just did a, a PD day where I looked at my scope and sequence. And boy, oh boy, am I behind where I'm supposed to be. Now, mind you, I don't know if you feel this way, Ken. Uh, programs seem to write it as if you have seven hours in a day mm -hmm. to teach a math lesson, right? Yeah. Like it, it feels like you have the kids for 21 out of the 24 hours. Um, and they remember it the first time you teach it. But all that to say, you know, I think in this moment, we have to recognize that everything needs to work, you know, behavior, respect, classroom procedures, transition times, all of these things need to work so we can prioritize on new quality instruction that actually builds off each other. And this is the complex, this is the core learning of the school year. I mean, at least in my, my view, we get up until Halloween, You've essentially caught yourself up to what that grade level is going to feel like and be like. The holidays are touch and go, high difficulty of material, but real, the deepest level of teaching, in my opinion, happens from January until the end of March, hopefully unrelated to state testing. And then after state testing, that's where a lot of classrooms turn to coast mode. And that might be PBL. That might be um, hopefully not movies in the classroom, but um, that's where we're, we're kind of winding down towards the summer. Yeah, so I'm going to play devil's advocate a little with you and, and say that I agree with everything that you're saying. And but I, I think this is, this is a time to bring in more fun into the classroom. And I'm that and I know you are still doing fun things with with your students. I, I, I know you're teaching well enough, but just to bring it to the light of the conversation, because this can be a grinding time of the year for everyone. And this, in my opinion, is the best time to bring out creative lessons, bring out fun lessons, reestablish your classroom culture. You know, hopefully you did activities to get to know your students, for them to get to know you and, and to get to know each other's peers in the beginning of the year. You have to revisit that stuff. You know, there's we had a, a guest on, I think, show eight. It was Mike Cazalo that wrote The Kinesthetic Classroom. And in that book, and and he will, you know, understand that this might not be completely realistic, but in that book, they talk about, you know, you need to reestablish your class community every time you come together. And so every day, is that completely realistic? Maybe in 30-second snippets, but doing activities that, you know, really bring them together, I think is super important. The other thing that this this school year 
or this time of the year really becomes for me is hitting those goals that that I've established with each individual student. You know, I've I know them now, they know me and working towards those goals that we set at the end of the first marking period and that our eyes are set on for completing at the end of the second marking period and turning towards the rest of the year. And so really starting to try to push them to hit new to hit new levels to hit new strides that they haven't seen before to overcome challenges that they're looking at. And so, you know, it's so easy to look at your scope and sequence, just like you said, and feel like you have to bog down and, and focus on that when, you know, when only focusing on that might not actually accomplish actually catching up or hitting that scope and sequence. You know, teaching is a science and an art. We've, we've said that many times. And I think too often the science gets put to the forefront and the art is pushed to the side, but that, that classroom community bringing fun into your classroom, knowing your students, them knowing you, that is something that has to be a constant effort and constantly at the forefront of your, of your room. I, yeah, you're right. And I don't want to, uh, this is a fun topic to try and disagree with because you are, you're completely right. All of those things, the kids feeling cared for, the classroom community being strong, the procedures, all of those things are really important to allow high quality instruction. All that's necessary for you to be able to ask higher order thinking and let kids struggle to figure out the, the end result. That, that's the beauty of being in this position. I, I guess the, the main thing that I would say is there are, at least, and, and this is me in full disclosure mode, from October till end of December, there are many justifications of all the interruptions. There's a super easy way to say, oh, you know what? We're having a Halloween party in three days. We're going to take this main content time so that we can decorate something for it or we're going to do this parade so we're going to practice those skills and you know what they may benefit other features but we excuse instructional time for maybe and i'm saying from my end too much fun stuff and i'm not saying that that it's not worthwhile because they only do fourth grade one time and it doesn't matter if I got one more math lesson in or one more science. It doesn't matter. I, I get that. But it's like if you count up all, all the wasted time in transition, it ends up being a significant amount of time in a day, in a week. Like we're, we're talking a ton of time if it's not purposeful. And so that's where I think this time of year, not to, to lay on the shoulders. It's not necessarily a time where it's an open-ended project that doesn't have the confines of like, oh, it could go three days. It could go five days. No, we're going to have some pretty strict guidelines. And if you want to work on it outside of school, be my guest, but it's going to have some constraints because we can't sit in this brainstorming phase and try to create a product in the last minute, I guess is the the big thing that I would say. And 
that's you that's the art of teaching right the the idea of checking in and creating safeguards and making sure that the the goals that you're setting are realistic that your your kids can reach um but i i think can you know like when when talking about fundamentals and what that looks like and talking about classroom culture and all these features what are you doing in a January and a February that isn't just refresher? What what are you focusing on to enhance the classroom community that isn't just reminding us of what we've already learned up until this process? How are you digging deeper into knowing your kids? Because like you said, you, you have a pretty good gist of how they are. Um, but I think like, I'll just give this real quick example. In math class, at this point, we are finally moving on from numbers and operations. And now we're going into area using the numbers and operations, perimeter, uh, the use of geometric shapes and, and algebra, these type of things. We're using what we took to actually apply it from here to the end of the year. And so there's a big transition in, in difficulty in depth of thinking that pulls a lot of challenge. So getting them on board is a big deal. I would say, so to answer your question about, you know, what am I doing to reestablish those things other than a refresher, you know, two minute conversation is, is really tapping into the individual relationship I've established with every student. And that is going to look wildly different from student to student, you know, some of those, you know, some of my students that I knew best, it is days of positive encouragement and it's days of, you know, dude, like what's going on today? Where are you at? Why are you, why are you not doing what I know you're capable of doing? Um, and having those really challenging conversations with, with the students. But, you know, I, th I think the result of it is, that it allows me to operate my class in a way that I clearly know who they are, what they are capable of, and where they need support, and push and trying to push them to the next boundary. You know, like you said, at this point of the year, if behaviors get a little out of hand, if routines are, are starting to slack off, it's a simple 30-second, two-minute conversation of a reminder of, of what's needed, or even just prompting the class, is this what is this what transitions look like in this room? No, Mr. Herman, sorry. Great, let's go. So, you know, I, I think at this point, it's about going beyond that lesson and that, that duty we have to a child of, of helping them grow. And, you know, that's, like I said, that's pushing it, that's pushing them to overcome organization that's always been a problem for them or pushing them in a subject that they particularly, that they, you know, happen to struggle with, you know, um, more so than others. You know, I can remember my first year I had a student, she would always try so hard in math. This is when I was teaching math to the whole, the whole grade level. She would try so hard and she would just struggle. And I really helped with her establishing study routines. I was meeting with her. I established a before school, like math, you know, help club, um, different things. And I'll never forget. She got an A she got an A on a test, like a 95, 98, something ridiculously good. I pulled her out into the hallway. I didn't say anything to her. I said, just, you know, come with me, come into the hallway. I pulled her out into the hallway. 
I held out my hand. She gave me a high five. She had the biggest smile on her face and we walked back in. We didn't even say anything. She knew exactly why she was out there. She knew exactly how proud I was of her. But, you know, it required me to know that she had that struggle, to know how hard she was trying. And like, to me, this is the time of the year where that stuff really comes out. You know, to have the expectation that you you know on an intimate level, you are 30, you're 90, you're 120 kids in November, that's not necessarily necessarily realistic. But this is a time where you can tap into that knowledge and really, really push them to the to the next boundary. Um, so so Matt, what are what are things that may, maybe it's one story or uh, things that you do in your classroom that shows students that you know them, that you care about them, and that you, you your care for them is pushing them to accomplish more than they thought they could? Mm. I don't want to echo everything that you're saying. Um, the, the quick answer is it, you show it in that individual conversation. And so um, one of the things that I have is I have a stack of student papers that I have available um, think sheets that the kids fill out when um, there's behavior adjustment, there's goal sheets that we have for each of the subject areas. We have notes for the teacher, notes for the school. The kids can go and pick and kind of turn into a, a, a folder for anyone to see at any time. And that's how I learn a lot about what is really going on in kids' lives. I know there was a social media thing going around that's like, what What do I wish my teacher knew about me? And um, if you ever get on like a Reddit kick um, and you go into some of the depths of like what I learned um, from students or from kids, there's some heavy stuff that you learn. Um, all that to say, that the conversations that you get to have with kids one-on-one -on -one are probably the most important, absolutely the most important. To not duplicate your answer, I think a secondary thing is to use your classroom members as examples and could be good, positive, hey, you know what, I'm going to create a scenario that represents Johnny's interests and Johnny's going to be the main character. And everyone knows that Johnny was riding his motorbike this weekend and had a big race. And what happens when someone passes moving at this mile an hour, what is he going to need to do to catch up? And he's sitting there with a big grin and he cannot wait to answer this question. And then we know that Susie had a basketball game and how many points she shot and scored and, you know, the little details of letting what your kids share as being almost uh, highlighted in the classroom. But the, the all-time best one is calling parents to identify positives of the classroom in the moment in front of the class. And being very specific and letting the kids have a role in that. Um, it's just, it's, it, it's anything that highlights kids. And, and when you're talking specifically about them, 
their interests, their accomplishments, knowing them, because here's the deal. It's really easy to load up a stack of papers and just grade them and not look at the first name and just enter the numbers into an item. But if you are involved in the learning and you're seeing growth happen because you're on top of it, it's incredible, especially this time of year. I have a, a student that just joined me. This is a brand new challenge. I'm sure many teachers have dealt with this many times before. This is my first level one speaker of Spanish. She knows no words of English when she first started with me right at the beginning of the holiday season in December. And she is speaking in statements, basic statements in English already. And you're just witnessing growth beyond belief. And it's really incredible to see a very academically high learner who doesn't have any clue of language, but just is absorbing and growing. Um, it's just, that is the addicting part of education, just being able to, to figure out time to see that growth. Too often, I think we, we get to this point that we're just pushing along and we're not digging to see that growth. That is the most rewarding thing right there. Yeah. And, and I, I think the whole purpose of this conversation is the time of the year that it's coming out. We want to, we want to remind everyone about, you know, establishing, reestablishing routines, classroom culture, not getting lost in the lessons in this time of year, but just don't ever forget that the daily interactions you have with a student really matter and it, it could change their lives. I mean, you have that student that you're talking about, Matt. I mean, you're one of the first, you know, whether it's she's if she moved to the country, you're one of the first Americans that's really helping her, reaching out to her, supporting her. I mean, she's going to remember that for the rest of her life. She's going to remember that you're the one that helped her um, get comfortable here and make friends and all of those pieces that are happening uh, in your classroom. There, there's so many things that we do. And it's not, not just Matt and I that every teacher is doing that is truly making a difference. And you may be saying things, acting in a way, doing things that you don't even realize have such a massive impact on students. One of the things that prompted this conversation is an, an email I received this week. I, I shared it with Matt. I sent him a picture of it, um, you know, taking out the, the names and, and what have you. Um, but, you know, this is not an email about me. This is an email about every teacher that's ever supported a student and the difference that it can make. Um, it says, you may not remember me, but I'm an old student of yours. You taught me when I was in fifth grade. The last day of school, you told me to keep trying. After you leaving your class, life got rough for me. During that time, I nearly gave up on school and my education. If it wasn't for what you had told me the last day of fifth grade, I probably would have. It was the first time I'd ever had a teacher believe in me like that, even though I was so terrible at the subject they were teaching me. But because of your encouragement that day, I didn't give up and I kept trying just like you said. I'm now in AP classes across the board and getting ready to apply for college. I've grown to love learning so much that I plan on becoming a teacher. I have you to thank for this. So thank you for being an awesome teacher and you were encouraging to me to keep trying. I hope you are doing well. That was completely unprompted. I haven't seen her since fifth grade, which was probably about six years ago. I do remember her. I do remember a lot that I worked with her on. I don't remember saying that to her on the last day of school at all. 
I mean, I, I know that I always try to say something personal to every student before they leave, but that clearly is a message that stuck with her that I don't remember. I don't, have you ever seen the Ted talk where the guy talks about lollipop moments? Everyone should Google Ted talk lollipop moments. It's a story that the speaker tells about something similar to this. He said something that changed somebody's life and he didn't even remember the conversation at all with the person. So, you know, as teachers, you have so many important moments that you're talking with kids, just the demeanor you carry. Don't let that be lost on you now during this time of year. Let this be the time that you're focusing on that and you are making a difference for them because there's, there's nothing more special than the opportunity we have to make an impact on a child's life and, and change their trajectory as first graders or as 12th graders. We all have the ability to do that. And I think that that, uh, to real quick prompt, uh, Drew Dudley is the TED Talk. Um, you can easily find it on YouTube or, or Google. But, you know, I, I've been talking about this to, to shift a little bit more personal, right? Like we as human beings are byproducts of our parents. We, we use our parents as the models of how we grow up. And for a lot of students, we as educators end up being the role models when we have to help a student um, in a different trajectory. And I think part of that is being vulnerable and being honest and actually representing your activities with care. And I think that's the, the biggest thing that, you know, I don't know about you, Ken, but I was not an emotional teacher five years ago. Uh, it, I was a professional teacher. My interactions with parents were professional as well, but I have shifted completely to making sure I always cared about my kids, but I felt like I, I I felt like it wasn't my place to let kids know that. And, and it took me a long time to realize that that's acceptable as long as it's appropriate, right? Like there's, there's a line that you have to understand of appropriate, but I just want to encourage that, you know, our morning meeting always includes a share portion where the kids share something that's going on that they're excited about. And I, at least two to three times a week, try to share a not so great thing. And I think that's okay. I, I think uh, the the saying going around, it's okay to not be okay, um, is another thing that if you're trying to figure out how do you build this classroom culture, especially in these months, which are heavily rooted for a lot of kids in depression, um, the joy of the holiday season being over, the dreary weather, all these different things, it is a totally fine time to, you know what, go back to fundamentals and say you matter and you, you talk about the values and the joys and, and making learning a good experience um, because it is as important. And, and these lollipop moments, me saying that, you know what, I have some tough things going on in my life and not giving full descriptions, but that it, we do not need to look like we are 
iron men that we can handle it all it's okay to be upfront uh, my coworker just got engaged we can celebrate that we can be super excited as much as we lost a pet or a, a family member is going through a tough time that is the beauty of really testing your school community i was a uh, i'll say this one thing what's really interesting is the amish community where i live and teach um, have a policy where they do not have health care um, and what they do is when someone really needs something they pull together as a community to raise the funds to support that person and it's kind of interesting to say that like all people in that realm go through this and they kind of give and take and they um, contribute. They, a big thing is auctions. They do a lot of auctions and the funds go towards a, a, a need at that time. But it's the representation of how the community works together for the common good of supporting the community. And I think that's where, you know, if you take anything from devoting time to SEL, social emotional learning, if you take time to get back to these fundamentals, if you take time to recognize your impact, those lollipop moments, it is showing grace through challenge is a great model, a great model, and probably as important as any lesson you can teach. So I just want to encourage the listeners to, to view your own challenges without being descriptive, right? Like if Ken were to tweet out that photo, which uh, that message, which I hope he does, because, you know, we all need to see these pick-me-ups, those attaboys. We also can recognize that there's going to be times of challenge and struggle, and that's fine too. And it's how do we handle that? We mourn, we grieve, we're angry, we handle that appropriately, and then we figure out how to honor or how we rebuild and that's what the kids also need to see um, because they don't always get that model at home. And, and we are molding kids on how to be human beings, not just regurgitators of facts. Absolutely. I think that's a, I think that's a great note to end on. Just, you know, keep in mind, you know, this, this one message I, I, I read, like I said, that's a, that is written to me, but it's a representation of what, thousands of educators do across the country, across the world. It, she wrote that to me six years after I had her. So the efforts we make, these are long, slow play investments. We don't always get to reap the benefits of the efforts we make, the conversations we have with students. It clicks for them eventually. And we may be lucky enough that they reach out and let us know. And there's going to be so many that the things that you're doing are clicking with them and, and we'll never know, but we just have to take pride in knowing that we made our best effort and we are making a difference. And it, like I said, it, it is connected to the daily operations and the way you teach and the lessons you facilitate, but also stepping aside and taking that time for a one-on-one -on -one conversation or reestablishing that entire classroom community. So, you know, now more than ever is the best time to do that uh, as you, as you hit, approximately halfway through the year and you look to to finish up and and hit a hit a second half of the year that's enjoyable memorable and meaningful to the students and the the kids in your classroom so on that note uh mr rogers why don't you take us on out of here all right so as we power down this episode um 
not just us, but I hope you leave your kids feeling powered up too. We'll, we'll add that little uh, gusto to it. So stay well, make a, every day count because um, the, the numbers of days left with this group of kids starts counting down far too quickly. So make every day count, stay healthy, stay well, and we'll talk to you guys next week.